The best of times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity. Helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The best of times. Your host, Gary Kaligas. Good morning, radio listeners. I'm Gary Kaligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only news magazine for mature adults in northwest Louisiana. Thank you for tuning in to our show today and also thanking those who might be listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. Also thanking those who might be listening via the Radio Pop application on their Apple and Android devices. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn about the treatment of voice, speech, and swallowing disorders. So stay tuned to this show for some very beneficial information for you or your loved ones. It is Saturday, December the 8th, and we are broadcasting our radio show from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square media station here in Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept calling questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the December issue, the best of times, at one of our 522 distribution locations. Thank you for the many compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. If you're unable to find a copy, remember, you can always download a current and past issue of The Best of Times from our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com. You can also download and listen to previously broadcast radio shows of The Best of Times Radio Hour. In addition, you can download the current copy of Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory. We kindly ask you to visit, when you visit one of our advertisers of our radio show and our magazine, do please compliment them for advertising in our magazine and that you do enjoy listening to our radio show. We appreciate that. These businesses make it possible for us to provide that monthly magazine at no charge to our readers and make this radio show possible. Tonight at Harris, Louisiana Downs in Bossier City, the largest fundraising gala event in the Architects will take place at 7 p.m. and that is Christmas in the Sky. This year's theme is Broadway. There will be remarkable sets which will display over 900 silent auction items. It's going to be a fabulous event. Plus, there will be fabulous food, fun, dancing, performances by area musicians. This particular gala goes on from 7 p.m. until 2 a.m. in the morning. Tickets are limited, there, but they might be available if you're still interested by calling 318-673-6500. Again, that's 318-673-6500. Remember to visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com for announcements made during today's radio show, as well as information about upcoming events, activities, and news that you can use. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A-Bears, Tunning Country at Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the best of times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour, proudly presented by A-Bears, tenant country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Coligas. I do thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my show is a very special guest is Dr. Paul Weinberger, who is an or 
ortholaryngologist with the LSU Health Sciences Center in Shreveport, and he's on our show to discuss some treatment of voice issues, airway issues, and swallowing issues. So thank you, Dr. Weinberger, for joining us today on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Oh, thank you. I'm really excited to be here. And and for our listeners out there who love that particular long is it Greek? I can't remember. I'm Greek. I should know the ortholaryngologist. It's just a, you know, doctors like to make up fancy words for things so that patients can't understand what it is. So, so ortho- ortholaryngology is just ear, nose, and throat. Ear, nose, and throat. And that's what most of most of my friends out there, even my son, I call him the NT. I don't call yes. him the, the long the long name, but I'm sure your 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 uh, credentialing associations doesn't use the NT. Is that right? Correct. Yes. Correct. Well, again, thank you for joining us today. I want to mention to my listeners, I uh, met Dr. Weinberger when when uh, he gave a presentation at a recent mini med uh, event. It was remarkable. Everybody, all our ninety plus attendees, students there, uh, really enjoyed his presentation. I said, I've got to have him on my show to educate all my listeners out there in Radio Land. But you you gave a remarkable presentation, and I won't give him the, and then some of the details. You're probably going to do it again, repeat performances, because it was pretty astounding, because you and your resident did something that, wow, uh, that like caught us off guard. So uh, <laughs> I already mentioned what it was, but it, it was uh, definitely a show and tell. And, <laughs> right? I'm building the mystery. I'm building the mystery. They're going to call you and I'm going to tell them to call you if they want to know they're going to call me to tell them the rest of the story but again um Briefly tell a little bit, and we're so proud to have you here at LSU Health Sciences Center. I know that, wow, I know all the physicians there and all the, the hierarchy. Uh, Dr. Golly Golly probably is really impressed that, that you have joined the faculty as well as uh, treating individuals and doing research. Is that correct? Yes, sir. So you do research as well as treating patients? I'm a physician scientist, so half my time is spent in the lab uh, coming up with new cures, new treatments. Uh, for various diseases, and the other half spent teaching and doing surgery and seeing patients. And you you teach a number of residents in that particular field, is that I right? Do, yes. And how many how many generally go through the field? We have um, let's see, fifteen residents. Wow, that's what that's quite, quite, that's quite a number. Two fellows. So we classify. Have we been known before as a voice center at LSU or no? No. So they brought me here to start a voice center. These are usually found in larger cities. Awesome. Um, but Shreveport is kind of unique. It, it's it's a small city wanting to be a big city and That's ready right. to be a big city. And there's there's nobody that does the things that a laryngologist does and that you find in a voice center within 450 miles. And so patients were having to travel very long distances to get the specialized care they needed. And there's a lot of patients in this area. And so it just made sense um, to start one here. And that's really why they brought me. So uh, tell us about a typical patient who might need this particular, uh, uh, well, let's talk about this, the, the problem, the voice problem. The yep. So the name says it all, the Center for Voice, Airway, and Swallowing. And those are basically the three categories of patients that really can benefit the most from what we have to offer. Um, it's first and foremost, what makes it special is that it's a multidisciplinary center. So it's not just one physician of a single specialty, but you have uh, voice specialized and swallowing specialized speech therapists. We have um, a close relationship with gastroenterologists that that are more interventional in nature, um, interventional pulmonologists, um, as well as in the operating room, a team of folks 
that are used to handling these more complex cases, and then of course myself and Dr. Nathan, who are the laryngologists. So it, that's uh, the team approach is very important, right? Absolutely, because you, because you, there may be other symptomology, there may be other problems in, uh, uh, associated with that particular voice problem or swallowing problem. Is that what you're trying to sound? Absolutely. So uh, so the, these types of um, uh, uh, problems can occur young kids, right? When they can. We mostly can deal with staff. adults, um, but I do work sometimes with our pediatric otolaryngologist, Dr. Gungor. Um, but the kids kids are more than just little adults, um, and so they have their own unique set of problems and uh, treatments and solutions and things. So pediatric otolaryngologist is the absolute best for that. So let's 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 talk a bit about voice problems. Is it voice problems being they lose their voice by 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 different conditions like like what? So, you know, one interesting thing is a professional voice user is not just someone like Adele or, or a <laughs> contestant on the voice, right? And that's what people tend to think, but a profession you're a professional voice user, a lawyer, a teacher, um, a salesperson. If you rely on your voice for your living, you're a professional voice user. Oh. And when you when you look at that category of people, when you develop a problem, if you're if you're becoming hoarse by the end of the day and people are having trouble understanding you, this is impacting your livelihood. It is. And a lot of people, unfortunately, just think that that's the way it is. Maybe maybe that's just part of getting old. Maybe that's just you know, oh, I drink too much coffee or things like that. But more times than not, it's due to a specific problem that's treatable. And typical problems, what what could cause that? The harshness to, is over-exceeding, talking too loud, projecting too loud like me, or singing too loud in the, in the shower or whatever I sing? That what? can cause what's called vocal nodules. Um, and we see that a lot in teachers, especially hmm. kindergarten, first, second grade teachers. Because you can imagine they have yes. to project and overcome a classroom of you know, unruly kids quite a lot. And if you don't know how to do that, you can put wear and tear on your voice quite quickly. Drill sergeants in the Army know how to project their voice safely. They can be very loud and not damage their voice. Um, rock stars, they, they learn how to project their voice. Um, singers in an opera. They don't need a microphone. They can project their voice quite loudly. But if you've never been trained how to do it, you can do it wrong and actually damage your voice box. Okay. So, and the projection is from probably your gut, if I recall, right? You're absolutely right, yes. Because a lot of people do not project, and they're out there mumbling or trying to blow it without bringing it from the from the inner, right? Yeah, we actually have an exercise to kind of show patients. Anybody can do this, even while you're listening here, okay. is take a deep Deep breath in, and now let most of it out, like all of us do. Yeah. So we, and then we talk, and we're going to talk, and I'm running out of air, and I can feel it, and it's getting weak, and uh, and see how long you can go. So like count from one to a hundred, and see how long you can go, and then do it the way you're supposed to do, where you fill your lung and don't let any of it out, and you actually want to imagine that your lungs are dropping down into your belly, and you're filling up your chest and your belly with air. And then start counting one to a hundred like this, you'll be able to get twice as far. Wow. Okay. But cool. nobody does that without formal training. Or, you know, you think they 
they might have remembered it or thought about it, but sometimes they don't. So, so your your voice center will help those professionals that may need they've they're written consistently getting worse and worse. Absolutely, right? we can identify you know problems that need operating on. So sometimes if there's a little polyp or a piece of tissue that shouldn't be there, that can cause a very hoarse voice. And one thing that's really important is anytime somebody's hoarse for more than two weeks, because occasionally we'll get a cold, we'll get laryngitis, that's okay. But if somebody is hoarse for more than two weeks, somebody has to look at that voice box. And it can be just a a regular um, general practice otolaryngologist or ENT doc. Um, It doesn't have to be a specialized voice doctor. Just anybody that can put a laryngoscope in there and actually take a look and make sure that it's not something scary. Because if you catch it early, you know, what everybody worries about in the back of their mind, and probably the reason they don't go to the doctor is they think, (laughs) well, I might have throat cancer, right? Um, And it's silly, but we all do it. I've done it in my life even. Thought that I had some horrifically bad disease, and so, of course, that made me not go to the doctor. The so denial, what he had to the say. denial for oh, factor. Okay. But just getting somebody to look, if you catch this early, it's very treatable. And if you if you don't catch it early, it could be devastating. Okay, let's let's talk a little bit about that the the, the voice issues and the hoarseness because I, I think you talked about it at your lecture. Is these these common. Um, uh, grandma's re- grandma's items to correct or to oh, gargle, gargle, to, mm-hmm. to gargle, and you mentioned that some of them are not going to make the things worse, mm. not better, right? Yes, absolutely. So a very common one is to gargle lemon juice, right, uh, or a warm wine or things like that, and those do actually help cut thick mucus, and they will make your voice sound better if the problem is that you've got a lot of thick mucus on there. But they also dry your vocal cords out, and that makes them fragile and susceptible to damage. So I, I highly recommend that people not do that. There are specific products out there um, that I don't have any financial affiliation with other than to just know about them and know that they help patients. Um, but one is called Singer's Secret. And it's not a particularly pleasant tasting spray, (laughs) but you spray it in the back of your throat. And the idea is that some of that spray does get down on the vocal cords and it effectively cuts mucus, but it has glycerin and things in it. And so it'll cut that mucus, but also leave a little protective layer. But lemon juice, you can imagine, you know, your vocal cords are part of the inside of the mouth and throat. And so it's a mucus membrane. And if that gets dried out, that is not a good thing, right? And the nose, if that gets dried out, you get a nosebleed. And so similarly, you can really damage your voice box. Okay, what about these uh, remedies? I'm, we're, we're asking you a lot of interesting advice here. Uh, I, I have individuals that tell me when they get hoarse or they have voice issues, they gargle with Listerine. Ooh, yeah, I would definitely not do that. That has a high alcohol content, right? Um, Plus other they've, things. They've changed their formula now. Um, they don't have... Or at least the one my wife buys doesn't have alcohol. <laughs> but I know they used to. Um, but more importantly is it has a little bit of an anesthetic property, so that tingle that you get mm-hmm. when you're using a mouthwash. And so what you're really doing is you're just numbing up your voice box to where you can't feel that you're damaging it. Oh. And that's even worse. Or chloroseptic spray, same thing. Chloroseptic spray. And that's another really important thing that a lot of people don't know. Um, people in church choir, very mm-hmm. common. Mm-hmm. Um They'll, you know, the choir director, he just wants the sound that he wants, right? So give me more, 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 more mm-hmm. volume. 
and the individual choir member, they may already be singing at the loudest level that they should be singing at for their instrument. Everybody's instrument is different. And so they push it harder, and then they, their throat starts to hurt. And they think that that's just, oh, that's the way it is. And then by the end of choir practice, they can't even, they're, they're completely hoarse. That is not good, and that is not taking care of the gift that God has given you. If it hurts, you should not be doing that. Great advice, because I've been in choirs that that, that has happened to people, that they, they're trying to excel the the individual soprano next to them, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. they really strain those vocal cords. And toward the end of the day, they're, they're barely whispering like yep. that. They're, they're barely whispering like that. Well, this is fascinating. Oh, what about medications? Uh, you hear people taking certain types of over-the-counter medication that supposedly relieves hoarseness, coughs, and 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 problems like that. There are a lot of medications actually that cause hoarseness too. Oh, so that's one of the things we look at. Is there are some that are notorious for that? And you know, we'll, I'm not going to list them here because if patients are on them, you know, <laughs> medications are out there for a reason. They're good. They treat diseases. But if a patient is hoarse, and we have our little list, you know, and we look at it and we say, oh, this one. Yeah. Let's see if we can find a different one to switch to. But I also want to brag about you. Now, if a professional singer is at any of our concerts have issues, they have somebody that they can contact locally, right? That's right. Before, they did not have anybody locally. No, they would have to go to either uh, Baton Rouge or Dallas. Wow. Yeah. This is great. So all of our all of our concerts coming to town have a, has a, have a major plus. Yep. And, and fortunately, we haven't had any... Uh, singers or bands have a, a vocal emergency, but it's interesting. You know, a, a singer mm-hmm. that comes down with sudden onset hoarseness, like if they're in practice, you know, the day before a concert, and all of a sudden they feel something weird, and then they're hoarse. That's actually an emergency. Like that's something that I'll come in from home to scope that patient to make sure that they don't have a hemorrhage in their vocal cord because that can end a career. Ooh, yep. And that'd be a serious setback for the whole for the whole individual as well as the the concert. We're yes. canceling, and they will no longer have a performance. Yep. Oh. Well, unfortunately, what often happens is they'll sing through it, and you know I I can tough this out. And if you do that with a vocal fold hemorrhage, you risk permanent scar. As as we as we age, do we do we tend to have problems swallowing? It's it's not a normal part of aging, but it is more common as we age. Um, so it's kind of like hearing loss. Uh, it really irks me when people say that you know losing your hearing is just a normal part of aging. No, it's not. Um, it just it does happen right. more often. But we shouldn't just accept that that's the way it is as we get older. And so yes. As we age, it is it is more likely that we'll develop some level of dysphagia um, or trouble swallowing. But it's not normal, and it doesn't have to be there. Could that be indication of possible TIAs, little minor strokes that might might tend to, to cause that? Yes, so some, that's uh, one cause. It's actually one of the more rare uh, causes of trouble swallowing. So what's what's the most common? So the most common in my practice is actually out-of-control reflux. Oh, so that okay. Can really, really mess with the esophagus. So the the reflux is is hurting the esophagus, the, the areas here. So mm-hmm. you have a tendency of avoiding to swallow something. What is that? It just it, it can burn the lining of the throat. It can make it where you can't feel 
uh, or, or have an adequate sensation, and it can actually affect the ability to swallow. So that's where you do the team effort with the, the gastro doctor as well as, as yourself. Correct. So we have a great relationship with the gastroenterologists at LSU, and they'll usually do a pH probe and study the acid levels and... Then we'll come up with a treatment plan. But, but didn't you also tell me that uh, based upon that reflux, it could because it's so acidic, it could damage the areas of the, the throat, right? Sometimes if the acid gets out of the esophagus, so most reflux stays inside the esophagus. Okay. And that's your classic GERD, if you've heard that yeah. term, gastroesophageal reflux disease. Again, see, mm-hmm. doctors love these words that the patient doesn't know. It's but, but you hear occasionally it going up higher. And it that, can. And then cause possible damage. It can cause amazingly broad degree of problems. So if that acid gets out of the esophagus, first place it can hit, of course, is your larynx because the larynx is kind of that guardian of everything in the back of the throat either goes into the esophagus to go to the stomach or goes into the trachea to go to the lungs. So if acid gets out of the esophagus, the very first thing it sees is the larynx. So that can cause really bad hoarseness, but it can also... It can get into the lungs, and it's called extraesophageal reflux is the medical term for it. But it can actually cause asthma to be worse and lots of different things. But, Doc, isn't also it, it, it possibly causing problems when people lay prone and not not raising their head when they're sleeping, that they could have acid reflux at night that would would, would move further? So the normal person should be able to lie flat on their back to sleep and not have any problems. Sometimes if you have really bad reflux, you have to elevate the head of the bed. Um, but that's in a, there's something abnormal going on to make you do that. Hmm, interesting. We'll be right back with more information. But now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bear, Sunday Country, a Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the best of times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour, proudly presented by A Bears, Tending Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is a special guest, Dr. Paul Weinberger, who is an ENT with Health LSU Health Sciences Center and has started up the Voice is it Voice Center? The Arklatex Center for Voice, Airway, and Swallowing. Oh wow, Arklatex! Have to make it a mouthful. Arklatex. So we're gonna we want to invite all of our people from Arkansas and Texas and, and North Louisiana to come there. So your catchment area is quite big. Yes. You know that's good. And um, we're thankful that you are in the area and has started this uh, Voice, Airway, and Swallowing uh, area. So uh, to to diagnose and to treat and to helpfully. Uh, correct all these particular issues before they get worse. That's right. Is that you would mention that earlier? It's better to detect something earlier for a simpler treatment and fix, right? Oh, that's where medicine is going. That's going to be the exciting revolution that hopefully will take place uh, before I retire. Is is moving more into preventative medicine. Preventative. So yeah. we, you could determine in the future somebody might have a swelling issue based upon certain factors or whatever. It's not DNA related, is it? Are we do we determine that? We don't know. Could be. I mean, there are some very rare swallowing conditions that are, but mostly it's environmental and things that we do to our own body. But going back to the swallowing issue, I, my. Um, 
well, my mother had some major TIAs, and, mm-hmm. initially, and then after she had some TIAs, she she tended to have swallowing issues. But you told us, which I thought was, and the, the nursing home did the same thing, is changing their food, their diet, right? Mm-hmm. And you showed us that that was remarkable. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of patients with strokes will develop some degree of dysphagia or trouble swallowing. Um, and it can be one of the early signs that you've had a, a minor stroke that didn't cause the classic facial weakness or arm weakness or slurred speech or things. Just all of a sudden, you notice that you're having more difficulty getting food down. Um, or that when you try to swallow, that you tend to cough and sputter. And uh, you, know, you feel like more food is going down the wrong pipe, mm-hmm. things like that. But you gave us examples about that soft mechanical diet, which mm-hmm. I thought was fat. And everybody he actually made some stuff for all these 90 people to try, which was pretty good. And it was in different levels, right? You had explained to our listeners. It's yeah. different levels. So um, one of the things that our speech therapy colleagues um, are, are so invaluable for is for figuring out what modifications to a diet can make oral intake safe for a patient Um, because if a patient has uh, severe dysphagia where they're choking or aspirating on the food then that can cause a pneumonia and that can actually take your life it can be very very serious but for most of these patients there are some you can just change the types of foods and liquids that you're taking or how you're taking them and and it can make it where it's safe again to to take that oral intake. And so the the first category is what type of liquids can you take in? So oftentimes patients will have trouble with very thin liquids because they just they go into the back of the throat and then you swallow them and your brain doesn't have time to react and figure out what to do with this. And so it just sloshes back there and then boom, it's down in your airway before you know it. Oh. And so by thickening that liquid up, it can slow it down and it gives your your brain and your throat, it's kind of simplified, but basically, you know, time to talk to each other and, hey, what am I supposed to do with this? Um, Send it down to the stomach. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And and then you can, you have time to process it and get it where it needs to go. And you can have just a little bit thick, so that's called nectar thick, um, and that's uh, about the consistency. I mean, we made it for mm-hmm. you guys with apple juice. What would you say that is like? Um, I mean, it's just like a thick, thicker than orange juice, yes. but thinner than applesauce. Right. And it, it was an applesauce, but it wasn't bad. And you put some something in there. I forgot what it was, a thickening. Yeah, there's thing. several. Um, I think we used thicket. And it was very good. I mean, I, I could see it understandably. And plus, I, it, to me, it took away some of the tartness, some of the <laughs> acidity of it. Did it? It seemed like it did. Yeah, a little bit. It doesn't change the flavor much, but it can mellow well, it I thought out. it tasted yeah. better. I th- personally, yeah. I thought it tasted better. <laughs> so that so that's added to, to any type of liquid, you think? Yeah, any type. I mean, we also did it with coffee. And personally, I find hot coffee that's been thickened to just be a little bit too much for me. Um, I'm a coffee fanatic, <laughs> uh, but the cold coffee, mm-hmm. it's great. It tastes like a coffee milkshake. Okay. It's really not bad, and you certainly can thicken hot liquids, um, and, and people do all the time. And then you've got a thicker um, consistency, which is, um, let's see, I'm trying to think. So this is my speech therapy colleague's specialty, <laughs> um, but you've got your nectar thick, and then you've got uh, honey thick, 
and puree consistency. And these are just varying degrees of how thick it gets. And it basically going to like an applesauce consistency all the way up to almost like a pudding consistency. Now, that's that's a pretty thick, uh, you know, to take as your liquid Mm because it's really more of a food at that point. Right. But it's still, it allows you to have what everybody else is having. And that's, that's one of the things that I'm really passionate about is that patients who are on a dysphagia diet, they can have most every food that the family is having. They don't have to be isolated from the family and just have oatmeal or, you know, cream of potato soup that's been pureed. All the time. Every meal. And that's so <laughs> Which sad. is often what happens. And that that is sad. So you're you're telling them there's other alternatives. And but what about the other the soft mechanical diet for various oh, yeah. food foods? Yeah. So I then, thought that was fascinating. So that's the liquid. So then you have the food, the the solid foods. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes uh patients have difficulty Getting the food into a uh, a consistency that is fine enough particles that they can swallow it. So maybe their um, esophageal or throat muscles are really weak, and so uh, you know a chunk of steak that's just been a little bit chewed, it that you're never going to actually be able to get that down. Whereas something that's more of a paste-like or or a ground-up consistency you could actually get that down. And so, again, the speech therapists, they work with the patient for, you know, 30 minutes, sometimes an hour and a half, looking at all the different consistencies and strategies and things that are safe. And then once you figure that out, then the patient can start doing that. But So you can still have, for instance, hamburger if you're on this soft mechanical diet, which basically is the, the highest um, level of uh, solid food processing Um, that you can give to a patient, right? Um, It means that everything has to be uh, essentially what you could eat if you had dentures, but you couldn't find your dentures, right? (laughs) So all you got is your gums. What could you you eat and what would you just be like, "Mm -mm, not going to have that? And so it's basically very soft foods or things that are ground up into a fine particle. Uh, I don't know if you want to mention to our listeners, but you had a daughter with swallowing problems that caused you to be a chef like this, right? Uh, so the chef part was actually before I went to medical school. I was oh. a chef that decided to become a doctor. Wow. Much initially to my wife's chagrin. That's very good. <laughs> Come home from work one day and, honey, I'm going to med school. Okay. But, um, yeah, I was a caterer in Atlanta, Georgia, owned a catering company. And um, then uh, one day realized that this was not what God had called me to. Awesome. And uh, when I was a little kid, I'd wanted to be a doctor, but I'd kind of lost that dream. And I said, wow, this is that's not going to be easy. So but, you were married and had a child and yep. decided to go to med school. Fantastic. Yep. Went back to night school and, yeah. Took a while, but the rest is history. But my daughter's swallowing problems really, really did help to kind of uh, launch me towards otolaryngology as a career. Okay. Um, so when she was born, she had really bad reflux, and we didn't know it, and it had damaged her throat oh. and her esophagus, and so she couldn't really. We didn't. We didn't know until later what the cause was, but every time she would try to drink something um, after we got her off of bottle feeding she would just aspirate and oh. choke, 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 choke. And so finally we went in and we saw an otolaryngologist and then they brought us to a speech therapist and we did the little modified barium swallow and they realized from the x-rays, they're like, oh, 
she's aspirating. And so she actually had to have thickened liquids for the first three years of her life. And it was hard to find a, like, um, my wife worked at the time and I was in medical school. And so it was hard to find a daycare that would take a special needs child because oh, everything, no. they couldn't have, she couldn't have apple juice. juice. She couldn't have anything thin. Or any kind of thing. Everything had to be thickened. And, um, fortunately, with treatment, so we aggressively treated the reflux as well. And after three years, the throat had healed enough that oh, she was able great. to start swallowing normally. Yeah, wow, what a success story there. But that, that was when you were a chef. Well, I didn't read the rest of the story there. Okay, wow. <laughs> that That's remarkable. So, again, that's one thing that... So, uh, I know we're we're going into swallowing a lot because I th- I still think there's a lot of undiagnosed issues out there with individuals having swallowing. So oh, absolutely. So and there's people that that know they have swallowing disorders and and won't go in or tell their doctor about it. So m- my own father-in-law had a condition called the Schottsky's ring. What's that? And it's where there's a um, a ring of scar tissue down low in the esophagus, just above where it goes into the stomach. And so these patients have a really classic uh, way that their story or when their eating habits, what happens to them. Um, and I guarantee you, you have listeners that this happens to, and they just think, well, this is just the way my life is. Uh, so what happens is they'll eat, the food will get swallowed normally, the esophagus will be pushing it down trying to get it to the stomach, then it'll hit this scar tissue and a little bit of it will get into the stomach, but most of it kind of sits there in the esophagus and it backs up and then they eat another swallow of food and the same thing happens and it backs up and you can picture in your mind here a pipe that's just getting packed in, right? Filling up and filling up and then all of a sudden they go to swallow and uh uh-uh. It's not going anywhere. And they uh, uh, and then usually they will stand up from the dinner table and they'll go to the bathroom and they'll have to gag themselves and they'll vomit out the food and then drink a bunch of water, flush it down. And the water, of course, is able to flush past that scar tissue. And then they come back. Oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. Are you sure, Grandpa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fine. And then next meal, same thing. And maybe it only happens once a week or... But chances are that is a Schottsky's ring. If, if that's how is, is it treatable? It is so treatable. That's the thing. It, it's a very simple dilation. Uh, you get put to sleep, either a twilight sleep or uh, a full sleep, depending on which um, kind of doctor you see. And a gastroenterologist can do this or an otolaryngologist. Either, either one is, is perfectly fine to do this. And you simply go in there and just stretch that scar tissue open. You know, no surgery is completely 100% safe, but this is as close as you can get. And, and so it's you're also... you're stretching, you're dilating it. You you're, just dilate it open. And, and it's also it one of stay open once you dilate it? Usually it'll stay open for about a year, maybe two years. Um, they, they do come back, but good grief. I mean, having a year or two of not having to go through that rigmarole... No. That's certainly worth it. Wow. But, but that's that. Hopefully, all of our listeners out there, and they have a loved one or a friend, you know, they need to get that check. It's 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 easily treatable, as Absolutely. we're saying. And they're probably having a lot of discomfort, and, and as you said, it could cause more problems. Absolutely. And you know, the scary thing about that story, and and I don't know what it is about us, but it's very common 
that we want to kind of be alone when we have something major happening bad to us is <laughs> so so wrong, right? Right. But you can imagine very easily that that person goes to the bathroom, closes the door, they're alone, and then they aspirate and they get food into their airway and they could pass out and no one knows. And it does happen, unfortunately. Oh, gee. A serious problem there. Uh, I, I thought of an interesting question to ask you. You, you were mentioning that you, that you do research and you do, you're do. you a scientist. So can you tell our listeners what are we researching and what are we inventing? Or <laughs> what have you invented? So I have two main areas of research that I focus in. Um, at LSU, my main research is focused on anaplastic thyroid cancer. So what does that is, mean? It's a really... So most thyroid cancer, I'll give you the, mm -hmm. the short version since we only have an hour here today. But the anaplastic thyroid cancer is a really scary cancer. It's fortunately incredibly rare. So most thyroid cancer is super treatable, like a 95% cure rate. It's mm -hmm. actually not a, a... I mean, all cancer is scary, but there are... Most cancers are way worse than thyroid cancer. It's very treatable. And why is that? Is it isolated? Is it capsulated? It's, um, it's mainly because thyroid cancers arise from the thyroid gland, which takes up iodine. And so we can take out the cancer tissue, and then there's always little microscopic bits of disease left. You can't possibly take all of the cancer tissue, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of times we'll treat that with chemotherapy, which makes you really sick, but hopefully kills the cancer cells. Well, we can take advantage of the fact that the thyroid cancer cells, they're part of the thyroid. They came from the thyroid. Thyroid hormone is made from iodine. Um, and so more than any other cell in the body, those cells love iodine. And so we can give that patient radioactive iodine, and the cancer cells go, oh, great, iodine. I like they that. take it up. And then, boom, they're, they're dead. Destroyed. They're destroyed. And very, very limited effects to the patient. So it's a, a pretty fortunate synergy there with the biology of the tumor. So that's that's getting better and better treatable and, 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 and it's surgically right. done. Right. Combination of surgery and medicine. But the anaplastic thyroid cancer okay, what is, is that? It's fortunately incredibly rare. Less than 1% of all can thyroid cancers are, thyroid, are anaplastic. But it's... Right now, we have no treatment for it. So these patients have less than six months uh, prognosis, and um, almost none of them make it more than two years. Oh. And, uh, yeah, I, I got started researching this cancer for two reasons. One, because as a laryngologist, I also deal with the airway. Mm -hmm. So any of the really, really bad airways, I'm the guy they call. And this, because it grows right there, the thyroid gland sits on top of your airway, Every single one of them, it enters the airway and shuts it off. I was going to say, so shuts I, it off. I end up seeing them. So I'd seen an, a couple of patients with it, and then, unfortunately, my wife's best friend's mom uh, was one of my patients, and she came to see me because she had trouble swallowing. And, unfortunately, her trouble swallowing was because she had an anaplastic thyroid cancer. And I, in my examination of her, I felt a real rock-hard lump on her neck, and I knew what it was. And so we did a fine needle aspiration biopsy, found that it was anaplastic. I called all of my friends all around the country, the major Memorial Sloan Kettering, um, Dana-Farber, Moffitt Cancer Center, everyone. 
and there's there's nothing. And she was dead in five and a half months. Oh. So the, the, the research is to try to treat it via radiation or via... No, so we, we think that we have found an Achilles heel. Mm-hmm. Um, this cancer, it grows so fast. And, and it, it is so resistant to every treatment that we have. Whoa. And we've looked at it molecularly, and it actually produces more of the things that most cells use to, to fix DNA and repair DNA and stop DNA damage which are we always have thought of as being hallmarks good stuff yeah yeah and but this cancer i mean it produces them not just a little bit it's actually like the the thing that it's producing the most of and we've looked at it closer and it turns out that this type of cancer what it's done is it's replicating so fast that it's producing dna errors at an unprecedented rate. And if it wasn't able to repair them, it would just spontaneously combust. And indeed, we found a drug that it doesn't shut off DNA repair. It just slows it down. So normal cells tolerate it very, very well with almost no side effects. And anaplastic thyroid cancer cells just die, like die, die. And so right now we're in the stage where we're testing it in cells and in animal models. Um, but my hope is that within a couple of years we could bring it to patients. What a success story there. Hopefully it'll come to fruition quite quickly. I hope so. To save quite a few people throughout the world, right? I and hope you so. could say it's done here. Yep. Dr. Weinberger and here's Louisiana. We'll be right back with more information, but now work my sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bear, Sending Country S Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep Dealer. Gary's got more of the best of times coming for you on 710 Kiel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour, proudly presented by Bear, Sending Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is a special guest is Dr. Paul Weinberger, who is an ENT with the LSU Health Sciences Center here in Shreveport. And he's been discussing treatment of voice, airway, and swallowing problems. So thank you, doctor, for joining us today. Thank you. So let's, let's talk. We've talked about voice issues. We talked about swallowing swallowing issues let's, let's talk about the third area that you deal with is airway issues mm-hmm. so so explain to explain to our listeners what areas of problems and how it can be treatable so the the biggest um, thing that we deal with with airway that's um, maybe a little more specialized is dealing with a problem called tracheal stenosis and subglottic stenosis which and is narrowing of the airway and what causes that Ugh, most lots of things there's lots of things so subglottic stenosis which which is the area just below the vocal cords, kind of the top of the windpipe. Um, there's, we see that sometimes in patients that have been intubated and, oh, okay. um, a long time. Um, oh, and so that's that's the reason why you've got to be careful about being intubated during surgery. Okay? Yeah, and it's it's one of those things. A lot of times it's not just from like a surgery, but more from a patient that maybe they had a heart attack or a really bad pneumonia, and they were in the ICU for a couple of weeks. The breathing tube saved their life, right? right? So it's not it's not an evil thing, 
but it has consequences and sometimes it does rub that tissue and cause a scar tissue and you know a scar on your arm or your face or your chest it's unsightly okay but in a small tube like the windpipe a scar can be life-threatening and so sometimes the airway can actually close down to where patients are breathing through something about the diameter of a soda straw. Ooh. Can that be treatable? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's treated by, by so surgery, or expanding, dilating it again? We like to start uh, endoscopically. And, um, you know, general otolaryngologists treat tracheal stenosis all the time. Also, interventional pulmonology is another specialty that deals with this. Um, and then, of course, laryngology. Um and any of the above uh, generally will start with an endoscopic, which is where you go in through the mouth, down mm -hmm. through the vocal cords, into the trachea, and then just stretching that tissue out. Sometimes you'll cut the scar tissue to kind of tell it where you want it to tear, um, inject some steroids, things like that. That can be successful maybe 30 40% of patients, oh. uh, maybe even more. And we'll start with that. If that doesn't work, then... Sometimes you need open reconstruction where you basically cut out the bad part where it's scarred and then sew everything together. And that's where you get into the more specialized things. So there's not a whole lot of people that do, that. do that. That's, a um, that's either a thoracic surgeon or a laryngologist usually. And so that's one of the things they brought me here for. Awesome. Um, and then um, I'll also do revision airway uh, reconstructions on patients that have had that and it's failed. And so those are the patients that come from like Vermont and Florida and, you know, the, the more uh, long, long cast uh, catchment type thing. So those people had to have it redone that was done before. And Correct. It, it, it became stenosis, came further back, right? Right, right. Wow. What a, what, a, what about people that are having asthma? I hear that people that are having asthma, they sometimes have airway problems as well. Yes, that's a fascinating thing um, that sometimes people, in fact, a lot of times, patients will come in and they'll have been being treated for asthma for three years, seen five different docs, tried all these different medicines and nothing's helping. And then finally they end up with me, you know, well, send him to Mikey. He can figure it out. You know, the old <laughs> life cereal commercial. Right. And we'll go and do an endoscopy and find out actually they had a tracheal stenosis, not asthma. Oh, so no. They've been taking that medication for those years? Yep. What does that do to you? Oh, who knows? But the worst thing is it doesn't make you better <laughs> right. in, in that case. And, you know, the vast majority of patients that have wheezing when they breathe, mm -hmm. it's asthma. But it's not a it's not a guarantee. So I do recommend that if patients have what is being called asthma and the asthma medicines aren't making it better, okay, then that's advice. a great time to either get a CAT scan of the trachea or have a pulmonologist or a laryngologist take a look down the trachea and just make sure that that's not a stenosis. Great advice there. Again, uh, thank you for joining us today here on the show. I wish we had more time. I'm going to bring you back. Uh, for information to contact his, uh, more, uh, his office, do call 318-626-6990, option one. Again, that's 318-626-6990, option one. So thank you, doctor, for joining us today. Thank you very much. on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Gary's got more of the best of times coming for you on 710 Kiel. 
Welcome back to our show, The Best of Times Radio Hour, here on News Radio 710 Keel. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show. I'm Gary Caligas, wishing you and yours the best of times both today and every day. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Best of Times on 710 Keel. Join us again next Saturday at 9 for the best of times. This is News Radio 710 Keel, K E E L, Shreveport Mosier.